The 6th Annual Cincinnati Jazz Hall of Fame induction ceremony will be held Sunday afternoon, March 22nd from 3 to 5 at Mount St. Joseph University. The Blue West Big Band will be performing with guest vocalist Lynn Scott and drummer Jeff Hamilton, who's on the phone with me today. Jeff, it was good to see you at Cafe Vivace a couple of weeks ago with your trio. Oh, it's nice of you to come in, Lee. It's always good to see you and uh, always nice to see the Cincinnati folks again who I've gotten to know over the years through my uh, association with John Don Olin. And you played with the Blue West Big Band at Cafe Vivace before, didn't you? Yes, I've done that and uh, was fortunate enough to be asked to uh, to play for uh, John's memorial service, which is also there. And you'll be sitting in for John Von Olin with the Bluest Big Band that afternoon. And there's a lot of love that you have for this band and John Von Olin. Yeah, it's true. The love for John goes back before the Bluest Band. In fact, when I was a student at Indiana University, and I would drive from Bloomington up to Indianapolis when John was living there and hear him play with a couple of different big bands up there. He was always so kind in letting me sit in for a tune or two at the end of the night. And I got to know uh, all of the, the great guys in the band, you know, Dave Pavolka, Jim Edison, Tom Meyer, on and on of all the great, great players in the band. And then I would drive up a couple of three nights a week with my college roommates so we could hear his small group, The Baron, with Steve Ali and Claude Sickle and Marianne Moss at the Hilton. So um, I spent more time in Indianapolis than I did in Bloomington during my college years. <laughs> and are you still a baseball fan? Um, no, I gave it up after the last strike. I decided I was during the last strike, I wrote four new tunes and booked a, a lot more gigs. And I thought, wait a minute, maybe I'm focusing too much of my time on baseball. So uh, I kind of let it go at that point. But a funny thing happened recently. I was uh, asked to record a record with a Hammond B3 player and uh, I didn't know who it was. And I said, why don't you send some links to me to make sure that, you know, this is all compatible. And he did. And I said, yeah, you sound great. Let's do the record. And his next email was, I'm glad that you uh, agreed to do this because I understand you're a baseball fan. And my ace in the hole is the Atlanta Braves organist. <laughs> oh, no kidding. <laughs> so... So Matthew Kaminsky came out and did a recording with Bruce Foreman and me, and uh, it turned out really well. So I guess my love for baseball has got me a record date from time to time. <laughs> and I heard you were on the big screen at a Reds game with John Von Olin. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we were. I had never been to a baseball game since I swore it off. And I met him at DeFelice's for dinner one night, and I said, well, did you get a table? He says, no, we're not eating here. And I said, what are we eating? He says, we're eating at the Great American Ballpark. And I said, no, we're not. He says, yeah, come on. And I said, you're the only person who can possibly get me to the ball game. So we got great seats, got them on the street. We're like three rows behind the visiting Phillies dugout on Jackie Robinson Day. And we were going through all this history of baseball and all these people were, you know, who were on their phones and eating through the whole game kept turning around looking at us like we were legends of the game because we knew all the history from the 50s and 60s. And uh, we were so engrossed in talking that we were up on the big screen and we didn't even know it. And one of John's former students and mine, Tina Raymond, took a, a shot of it on TV and sent it to me while I was at the game. And John just couldn't figure out how all that could happen. High <laughs> <laughs> tech stuff. Yeah. He said, how does, that, how does that work? And I said, well, okay, you have a computer, right? And he says, well, yeah, but I never turn it on. So I knew it was hopeless. Well, you recorded an album called Equal Time with the trio you were with at Cafe Vivace recently. 
And you're going to be performing with this trio at the Las Vegas Jazz Invitational March 27th. How often do you all get together to rehearse and perform? Well, none of the groups that I'm in really get together to rehearse very much at all. We do our rehearsals in a sound check, which usually lasts about 20 minutes. And then we wing it on the gig. If we feel like it's ready enough to pull it out, then we'll do it on the gig. But we don't really have a whole lot of rehearsal time unless we're putting together a, a recording like this. And then we'll do like a couple of days of just throwing it to ideas around and and recording stuff and listening to it and, and editing it and kind of coming up with a final result of how the arrangement's going to be and, and what we're going to put on the record. So there's, there's not, a whole lot of, not a whole lot of rehearsal time in any of these things. Clayton Hamilton Orchestra is another story. When John comes in with an arrangement, we'll uh, have call a rehearsal and read through two or three things, and then we'll play them on the, on the next gig. You know, So we don't, we're not over-rehearsed. And you've got another trio. That was the Akiko Hamilton Dector trio. And Akiko, by the way, is an amazing organist. <laughs> yeah, she's a lot of fun. People always say, How does she get all that sound out of that big Hammond B3? She's like, you know, she's so short and her feet barely touch the pedals. And how does she get all this big sound? But being mentored by Dr. Lonnie Smith while she still lived in Japan that was a, had a big influence on her. There are so many female jazz organists just in the city of Osaka. It's like this, almost like this cult that if you play Hammond B3, you're a Japanese female. And um, I guess because they all grew up through the Yamaha system and playing electric keyboards and uh, the organ was the next thing. So, uh, yeah, there are a lot of it. It's, it's really a funny thing there that uh, so there are so many female jazz organists there from Osaka. The Jeff Hamilton Trio will be performing in Topeka on March 15th, and your recent album was Live from San Pedro. That got a lot of love. Yeah, it did. I was happy to receive all of that, actually. We recorded it about three miles from my house. There's a music store that has a beautiful performance space called Alva's, A-L-V-A apostrophe S. And uh, we also recorded the Clayton Hamilton Jazz Orchestra that was nominated for a Grammy there a few years ago. Great sound in there, great live sound, and we just went in and played the gig, and they recorded it, and that's what we got. So uh, I think the listeners heard that it was a live performance, and you know there wasn't any overdubbing or overproduction on the thing, and I think that was what I heard most about that, that it was such a great recording, and we were on as a trio, so very pleased with uh, the outcome of that. It stayed on you know the, the charts for a long time, the Jazz Week charts for a long time, so... Yeah, very pleased with that. That trio's been together, that unit of the trio is together from 2000. So, you know, when you go back to the rehearsal question, we just kind of look at each other, and that's the rehearsal. <laughs> so we don't spend a lot of time uh, in that band, especially rehearsing, unless Tamir brings in one of his arrangements that are next to impossible to play, and then we've got to woodshed that a little bit. So you all have been together 20 years. Yeah, over 20 years. Christoph Ludi left the group a couple of years ago, and John... Hamer, H-A-M-A-R, entered the band in July of 18, and uh, he's on the new recording, which is coming out early summer on the Capri label. It's entitled Catch Me If You Can, which incidentally is one of Tamir's original songs, and when you hear the song, you'll understand the title. <laughs> so are most of the songs on that ones that you all wrote? No, it's a mix of things. John Hamer brought in two things of his own, which has brought sort of a different appeal to the group. There are only three people in the group, so when there's a change of personnel, that's a third of the music that's going to change as well. So 
They're two of his originals, and then he arranged the uh, Artie Shaw big band favorite, Moon Ray. Tamir has the original, and uh, I dug into the Woody Herman song book for a tune, and then uh, tribute to Thad and Mel on a tune, and so it's kind of a nice mix of things. It flows really nicely. I'm really excited about this CD. And that's going to be coming out in June? I heard early summer. We were trying to get it out by the end of February, but I think for all the promotion reasons, the company wants to put it out a little later. And also, you created Hammertone Symbols. Yeah, I'm still involved with that. Sabian Symbol Company bought Crescent, and uh, they're still producing uh, the Hammertone series. And so now it's called the Sabian Crescent Hammertone series of symbols. So, but they're the ones that I designed, yes. I liked the review, the line in the review from Drum Magazine about it. The line that says, the hats are smooth and full with a big sizzle that honestly sounds like it would taste good. <laughs> <laughs> I'll use that on my next resume for a short order. <laughs> <laughs> and you're also working with a new drum company, Mapex. Right. Mapex found me. My good friend Russ Miller, the great drummer, designed these drums and had me in mind and wanted to send a set to me for my opinion at the same time that Remo stopped making drum sets. So the timing was perfect, actually. And, you know, when someone designs a drum with you in mind, it's pretty much tailor-made. So I, I love these drums and uh, I've been having a ball with them out on the road. So very happy. It's the Mapex BPDL Design Lab Series. It says it's a Black Panther Design Lab Cherry Bomb Drum Kit. Yeah. The, hey, the, another resume is in my future. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. And um, do you travel with them? I do. I'm probably the only drummer who still travels with his drums, unless it's on a big tour, you know, and then they carry your drums for you. But I fly with my drums on all my trio gigs and all of the uh, all the all the bands that I'm involved with, which is the three that you have mentioned before. And I was wondering, at the end of the Cafe Vivace gig, you were sitting on a drum case. Was that one of them? Uh, yeah, that's one of the cases. I designed the cases to be under 50 pounds to appease the airlines, and I have four drum cases. And I fly Southwest, which has the kindest baggage fees. So that's how I get around it. And speaking of traveling, I was wondering about the Clayton Hamilton Jazz Orchestra when you all went to Europe. How was that mm -hmm. with all your instruments? Yeah, funny. We were wondering about that, too. <laughs> How many are there of you that travel? Well, 19 members, including John conducting, and then a band manager, and then uh, the Clayton Hamilton manager, and the uh, European promoter. And so there are a lot of bodies in which to distribute the instrument cases around. So there has to be a deal struck with a lot of the airlines if you're going to fly a lot. But we get around that by trying to do as many bus traveling days as we can. And uh, then there's a truck that has all of our equipment, and uh, hopefully we both arrive at the same concert hall at the same time. And what's security like with all those instruments? Well, funny you should ask. Generally, it's not too bad. The worst trouble we had on the last tour was in Serbia, and uh, the trip before Moscow was the problem. They couldn't figure out what to do with uh, Christoph Ludi's upright bass case, and so they just detained him for two hours, and we had arrived at like 7 a.m., so the band is tired, and we're all sitting out in the waiting area for them to decide what they're going to do, and eventually they latched the bass case up and said, okay, go on through. So 
it can be an issue. The last time uh, it was recommended that I didn't take my drums into Russia, and that'll be the last time that happens because what they supplied me with was not anything near what, what I could make music on. So it's tricky. You kind of have to think ahead, plan ahead, and try to outsmart uh, the system that's presented to you from the countries. I'm wondering what kind of drum kits you recommend for drummers out there who are first learning to play. Well, you know, I'm privy to the Napex line that I'm playing. I think they're incredible drums, and they're so easy to play. And uh, I think a good instrument does make a difference after a certain stage of where you are as a student. And a good instrument can make a lot of difference in your sound, which I think is what we all need to look for. What is your voice? What's your sound? And this instrument allows that for me. So I think that's a good start. They make a lower line that's less expensive. There's several lower lines that you can look into, but I, I love the construction and the quality that the Mapex has on the drums. And I, I can't really recommend a lot of other drum companies. I don't play them, so I'm kind of stuck with that. That's, I don't know that much about other drum companies. And you're giving back to young musicians through workshops, and you'll be traveling to Michigan for a residency at Michigan State University April 15th, plus a master class at the Illinois Day of Percussion at Joliet Junior College April 4th. Can this giving back to young players be linked back to your mentorship by John Von Olin? Uh, yes, partially, but not only. Ray Brown and Oscar Peterson had a great deal to do with instilling in me, and Ray especially with John Clayton as well. Is that John one day said to him, how do I thank you for everything you've done for me? And Ray said, you thank me by passing on this information to others who are deserving of the information and you, who you can tell really need this information. So it's your job to keep this music alive. And so John and I both subscribe to that thought. You know, I don't just wheel out information to somebody that just happened to buy a pair of sticks and is going to pick up a clarinet tomorrow, you know, but you can tell the students who are serious about wanting to learn what it is that you have to offer. So yeah, I enjoy doing that. The trio is good at doing master classes or comfortable in that situation. We make the students comfortable. I also do drum clinics for the Mapex company, and those have become more educational, less show-and-tell. I'm not a big show-and-tell clinic drummer. I gave one at Columbus Pro Percussion for my dear friend Jim Rupp, a Cleveland drum shop, um, Pittsburgh, a string of stores in Canada, uh, along in McQuaid, and I really enjoy doing those because the students that I draw in the clinic really want to learn about how to play the instrument better and how I approach it instead of watching me do a 20-minute solo and then ask if there are any questions. Well, I noticed that when you were playing with the Columbus Jazz Orchestra afterwards, there was a line of young drummers lined up. I'm wondering, what do they ask you? Uh, things like, how did you come up with the design of the China symbol? How do you make it look so easy uh, was another one I remember from that night. <laughs> one was, how do I get an endorsement? <laughs> oh, there we go. So, I mean, they can, they can kind of be all over the place. But there again, you can tell who the serious ones are with what their questions are. We're all looking forward to hearing you with the Blue West Big Band, March 22nd at the Cincinnati Jazz Hall of Fame induction. Will you be bringing your Mapex drums with you? I will be, because the uh, Topeka job that you mentioned before, I will have been out on the road for about 10 days by the time I hit Cincinnati. And um, right now, tentatively on the books, is a debut performance with Jack Jones, the great legendary singer who had just done an album with John Clayton and Graham Decker, Tamir Hindelman and I on it, with Tom Scott producing. 
And uh, we're going to do a showcase in Nashville on the 20th. So I'll go from Topeka to Nashville to Cincinnati. So by the time I get there, the drums will be uh, well broken in for the Cincinnati gig. (laughs) And I want to mention your relationship with John Clayton. You all are like brothers now, aren't you? Yeah, actually better than brothers because we never fight. We're never in close to proximity for too long a time. And we're so much alike. We're both Leos, and we both have the same goals, and we look a lot of, at a lot of things the same way. So we just sort of understand each other. And uh, that friendship started at Indiana University in 1972. So, um, yeah, we've been uh, best pals for a long, long time. And um, that's why I say it's probably better than brothers, because some brothers don't speak to each other, right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, thanks for rescheduling your walk on the beach with your dogs to talk with us this morning. (laughs) Well, Lee, that's how high you rate. That's all I can say. (laughs) As someone who's done as much homework on an interview as you've done, I really appreciate that. It's so nice to just be able to talk about, you know, what you do and answer the questions because the interviewer has done their homework instead of, so where is Richmond, Indiana, and when oh. were you born there? You know, yeah, yeah, so yeah. What was it I, like I, playing I with Woody Herman? <laughs> yeah. Well, that I don't mind answering either, but the question is, did you play with Woody Herman? Jeez, you know, <laughs> oh, <so>. okay. <laughs> so I really appreciate your intense homework on this interview. Well, I told you I'd do a deep dive, so I had fun doing it. Well, you did, and thanks for doing this for so many years. We Speaking of long friendships, we go back to WMUB in Miami. Yep. Yep, oh, 78, oh, I think. Yeah, Miami University. I, yeah, I just joined the L.A. Four. That's right. Just left Woody Herman's band. I should let you tell this. You know it better than <laughs> I do. Continued success, Lee. All righty. Well, big hug and uh, have a safe trip. All right. Thank you, and I'll see you soon. Okay, bye-bye. I've been in conversation with drummer Jeff Hamilton, who will be performing with the Bluest Big Band at the 6th Annual Cincinnati Jazz Hall of Fame induction ceremony Sunday afternoon, March 22nd, from 3 to 5 at Mount St. Joseph University. I'm Lee Hay.